0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by m Bank, your partner in Possible.
1: What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? I'm BJ Kissel. This is KCS, an update, our daily Chiefs podcast and video here at KC Sports Network. Today's nugget. Since entering the league in 2017, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes has compiled a 58 and 15 regular season record. In 5 years as the team's starting quarterback, he's defeated 28 of the other 31 NFL teams. The 3 remaining teams that Mahomes has Mahomes has not beaten in his career are the Los Angeles Rams, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Seattle Seahawks. Two of those teams on the schedule for the rest of the season I remember these played the both the Seahawks and the Rams. I remember them losing both those games. The Rams game was the one that was moved from Mexico City to uh, L.A. because of the Shakira concert uh, down in Mexico City at uh, Studio Azteca. Uh, yeah, Studio Azteca. Um, that year they got moved. They lost that game in the Thriller on Monday night he and Jared Goff, they put up like 8,000 yards passing in that game. If you remember that one, and then was injured uh, the year they won the Super Bowl against the Vikings. That was uh, the Matt Moore game where he stepped in and Harrison Butker drilled uh, several field goals to win that one. And the Seattle Seahawks was in Seattle. I remember that one because uh, Sharkandrick West had caught a touchdown pass across the middle crazy games, but, Again, not normalizing greatness. Pretty impressive for a guy who's only 27 years old. Uh, Hopefully he can cross another one of those teams off his list on Sunday in the L.A. Rams. And to help us break that down, it's going to be our Wednesday guest every week here on KC Sports Network and KCS and Updates. It's the czar of YouTube X's and O's. And he's basically like the Patrick Mahomes of NFL video content, if you will. We'll get his thoughts. That's Brett Coleman. We'll get his thoughts on Sunday night's performance. Spend some time talking about the Chiefs defense because the offense has had plenty of love here lately. And we'll talk with him about a lot more than that just after this quick word from our friends over at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They have the best app to find the plays that you're looking for. And I love the anytime scores. I've talked about that before. You always feel like you got a shot no matter what the game is or what the score is. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. This Sunday, the Chiefs have the largest spread of any team in the NFL, 14.5 points. A lot of injuries and problems with the defending Super Bowl champion Rams right now. I still like the Chiefs. They are rolling here heading into week 12. Download the sports, the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KCSN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game, and you get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, now let's welcome the man, the myth, the legend. Again, the czar of YouTube X's and O's for NFL content. Brett Coleman, who was at SoFi Stadium to watch Patrick Mahomes' greatness in person. Brett, do you feel any different having gotten to see a legend in the making once again doing legendary things?
2: It's funny. That was my first uh, live Patrick Mahomes game.
1: Mm -hmm. And this
2: year, this year I got to see my first Brady game, my first Rodgers game, my first Josh Allen game. Uh, my second Justin Herbert game and mm. my first Mahomes game, among among many others, I've, I've been all over the place this year. Um, that was special. Mm. That was spe- Like you y- y- you see it on TV all the time. Eh, minute forty six, down by three or four. It's like yeah, Chiefs win. <laughs> but to like see it live and the frightening inevitability of it all. Uh, that that was special. And I think Chiefs fans should honestly consider yourselves extraordinarily lucky that you get eight of those a year or nine in some seasons. Like, yeah, that's different. That's just different. And I, I left the stadium, and my wife is so funny. Uh, we, were, we were at the game together. And when Herbert marched down and scored and, and, and Keenan got like the third and 18 catch, which was ridiculous. Yeah. God, ridiculous, she looked at me and she's like, what just happened? And I was like, Justin Herbert happened. And then they score and everything like that. And then Mahomes marches down and the Chiefs score. She's like, what the hell just happened? I was like, Patrick Mahomes happened. <laughs> That's what these games are between these two. That's why I wanted to go so bad is because you knew it was going to be like that. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm very blessed to have been there.
1: I've joked with you before uh, recently of the last couple of weeks. Uh, you don't like to make those big statements. You don't like those make those big proclamations about, oh, so-and-so is the best or this or that. I just appreciate everybody. But, damn, like, come on. You got to see it in person for the first time. Like, it's just different.
2: And it's there was a lot of Chiefs fans there, obviously, because yeah. uh, Chiefs are a big fan base. And I'll tell you what, the the sound of the road fans, when Pat would get within 20 feet of any, mm-hmm. like, little pocketed Chiefs fans, like, I swear to God, it, it was the loudest thing in the stadium. Uh, just like a small section of <laughs> Chiefs fans when Pat would throw a glove it was like the Beatles were in town. I swear to God, like he is, he is so special, not just as a player, but as a presence. And I think the NFL is very lucky that he's the face mm-hmm. of the game right now.
1: You know what? I, I've talked about this over the last couple of days and Mahomes and we and talk about Travis Kelsey. Uh, I singled it out with Travis Kelsey because it's just different. Um, you talk about, you know what they do on the field being one thing. And I know you spend a lot of time doing the X's and O's and appreciating the, the football nerdery uh, that's going on and the, the mental acuity for these guys. Uh, it's so much more advanced than I think a lot of fans give them credit for uh, the way they speak the language um, for anybody who's old enough to remember the, the movie, the program, you know, Alvin Mack, uh, just basically like the dude couldn't read, but you asked him to read a defense. Like he knows absolutely everything about everything. And these guys are brilliant uh, about a lot of different things, but uh appreciating outside of the physical abilities, the the knowledge to, to play the game at that level, uh, the way in which they talk about their teammates, the way that Patrick talks about Justin Herbert uh, and praises him in a very genuine manner uh, is special. And I I've singled out Travis Kelsey uh, catches a game when he touched down. It's probably in real time, maybe 20, 22 minutes after he catches a game-winning touchdown he gets on the podium first question that's asked is you know you and the homes just it's inevitable this and that and within 10 seconds he's praising sky more. he's praising justin watson he's talking about marquez valdez scantling in the most genuine way and i was watching it and it just stood out to me i was like that's different like mm-hmm. it it's different the way that these guys are wired not every team is like that um, not every player is like that doesn't make anybody better worse whatever on the field uh, but off the field that stuff resonates
2: and I think he's correct, too, because he's he wouldn't even get in position to make that game winning touchdown without mm-hmm. those guys making catches in the last drive to get him down there. Um, and it's it was fascinating to me because I went through and I watched it uh, the all 22 the day after they called man coverage every single play on that drive, mm-hmm. every single play, because they're like, we're not going to let Mahomes slice and dice through zone. There's too yeah. much time. And it, it, that requires everybody to win. You got to go win. And they all won. Now they had as soon, like the third play in a row. Once they caught on, like oh, we're calling man every play. They started just calling man breaking routes. So it was like comebacks and drags and everything like that. But like they still won. They still made the catches. They still marched down there. And then you just needed the Chargers to make one mistake. And the Adderley did that by not bracketing Kelsey when he was supposed to in his ball game. But it was a total no. team effort. Pass protection was great. Mahomes made the reads and made the throws. MVS won. Like. 84 i can't remember who's 84 the other tight end
1: uh that's watson
2: what oh that's watson that's right he I believe he got yeah. one on that last draft like everybody yep. contributed
1: yeah, that third and 15 strike to Watson across the middle is probably the biggest play of the game. It seems like those third and 15, the week before it was the third and 17, or the Titans get the scramble from Patrick Mahomes on like third and 17, just the backbreaker. Uh, they showed Vrabel. But as much as I would love to sit here and talk about the offense, we've done that, I think, for three or four shows <laughs> since this game. I want to talk with you a little bit about the defense, um, and what they were able to do. I've, you know, We've talked about the end of the first half, the first two drives of the third quarter being really where the defense settled in and gave the offense a chance to figure things out and really kind of get them back into the game, get a lot of confidence on both sides of the ball. Uh, but being there in person, having a chance to go back and watch the All-22 afterward, just what's stood out to you about why the Chiefs defense is being so successful and has been really a reason they've won some close games so far this year?
2: Uh, for one, coverage for the most part has been really good. Um, and I think that in terms of how they structure their coverage they're doing a lot of the same stuff that we normally see like you know they'll they'll play a lot of cover 2 but in spicy ways you know they'll kind of get into it in, in funky rotations they'll play quarters you know if if they feel like um you know they're, they are they really need to drop down to get an extra guy in the box to play cover 3 to stop the run and then um you know it's all kind of matchup based depending on the kind of offense they're playing against like against the chargers there a lot of cover two. Like that was, I think, the most common coverage they called what was cover two. And for good reason, because it's Justin Herbert. He's he's scary. He's an alien. You want to do that. And they held up pretty well for the most part. There was a couple of big balls, but other than that, they held up well for the most part. But the key in order to make those kind of coverages work is you need to be able to get home. And Chris Jones had an amazing game. He had seven pressures. Frank Clark had seven pressures. Like um, I'm pretty sure Karloftis had like three or four himself. Like they, it was a very, very productive day for the pass rush. And um, that I think was key. And also one note uh, it, it's God, how many years has Chris Jones played at this point? Seven, eight, something like that.
3: Hmm.
2: Teams are still fundamentally not approaching uh, protecting against him the correct way <laughs> and it's it's so easy to say like oh like slide his way and double team everybody like you can't you realistically can't do that and the mm. teams will line up their fronts in ways where like they'll put um you know they'll put a two eye over the other guard to make it so the center kind of like has to jab that way to help out the guard because they're not going to do double threes they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, put somebody relatively in that a gap. So the center kind of has to step to it to help the guard, and then they can go help against. Mm-hmm. Chris. They can't just immediately slide. So they, they kind of, you know, set up their fronts that way to help out Jones get one on ones. But if, if you're gonna do that, <laughs> uh, you need to have a guard approaching, protecting against Chris Jones the correct way from a technique perspective. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean, don't pass set. Like, you need to jump on him. Like, you need to short set it. You need to get your hands on immediately. Because if you're just kind of doing, like, a normal angle set and he's at a three technique and you're dropping back and you're waiting for him to come get you, he'll kill you every single time. And, and like, the first play – I'm sure Tucker's watching this when he's editing. The first play, first quarter, like, a little under five minutes ago, third and two, left guard pass sets deep. Like, he's just going to wait for Jones to get there and then absorb him as if like, he's going to have a bull rush coming. Hmm. And so if you give Jones time, you give him that extra step to read you and then jab outside, bait the hand to come out, club it, swim over the top. Like he's going to murder you and he's way too quick and he's way too fluid. And again, the center isn't immediately going to slide that way because of how the front set up. So like you have to jump on him. The only guards that I ever see successfully protect against Chris Jones are the ones who attack him
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and he's still going to get them from time to time, but you can't just wait for death because (laughs) he will make it happen.
1: When talking about the chiefs defense, a lot of it obviously starts with Chris Jones. Um, I don't think, you know, every coordinator in the NFL within their respective home city is, is either the most hated or the most beloved person <laughs> in that city. I don't think it's unique to Kansas city. Uh, when things are going well. People love Spags, and things are not going well. They blame the defense for everything. I've always appreciated and love the fact that he is who he is. And he sends guys the cover zero, just the all out blitzes in the red zone. He does not even try to hide it anymore. <laughs> like They're all lining up that amoeba front. They're all just standing there and be like, you know what? We're coming. Um, okay. We're coming after you when. What do you appreciate most from a, a schematic sc- standpoint? You know, I could talk about, you know, the, all the blitzes and the pressure and when things are going a little south. He did it in this game, in the second half. It was a lot more blitzes, a lot more pressure, a lot more guys standing over the A-gaps, all those kinds of things that are obvious to anybody who's watching. Um, but what do you appreciate most about Spags and what he brings and, and how he adjusts and those kinds of things uh, from a defensive standpoint?
2: Controlled aggression. That I think is if you're going to because I wouldn't say he has a signature coverage. I think he has a signature style of calling coverages, which is we're going to take all these pieces and move them all over the place. And I wouldn't say he has like a signature front or anything like that. Like, obviously, he does love a lot of the four down stuff, but he'll do it in a whole bunch of different ways with a whole bunch of different personnel. But I would say if he does have a signature it's controlled aggression. He knows when to sit back and play coverage and let Chris Jones and Frank Clark do their thing. And he knows when he needs to come and get after you. You know, you bring up the the zero in the red zone like that's, I think, one of his best got to have it go to calls in the red zone. Because if you think about it, um, you know, philosophically speaking. In the red zone, they're going to get three. So what do you need to do? Keep them off the goal line. So Mm -hmm. the best way to keep them off the goal line is to keep them from throwing past the goal line. Mm -hmm. And so if you call zero and you got five guys and you park them on the goal line and they say, okay, everything underneath this, you rally and tackle because we're going to get plus one off the edge, no matter what the ball's going to come out quick. They're not going to have time to throw into the end zone. They're going to throw short. They're going to throw hot or they're going to have some sort of answer or anything like that. And then it just becomes about rallying and tackling. And if Mm -hmm. you think your guys are good enough to rally and tackle in space, that's an absolutely amazing red zone call because it's, it's literally just about fundamentals at that point. It's not about scheming or communication or anything. It's just rally and tackle. And so I think that's why he loves that call so much in the red zone is because he trusts his guys to make those hits when he needs to. And and they do it a lot.
1: <laughs> One of the, the quotes that a lot of in talking on the defense thing with Spags here, that, that made the rounds during training camp. And I don't know if it was overblown or, you know, Uh, taken out of context in some way, but Spag's basically saying he doesn't like playing rookies. He likes veteran players, Mm -hmm. Uh, which interesting now sitting here in week 11, where we've got four rookies in the dime package that are playing a lot. And depending upon, you know, Juan Thornhill's injury, you know, Brian cook may see more time out on the field uh, at safety for the chiefs, but you know, how impressed are you uh, from what you've seen and what you've studied with the Chiefs defense, with those young guys uh, early in the year, it was a lot of Jalen Watson. I mean, the last time they played, you know, the chargers, he made national headlines with his 99 yard return, but Josh Williams uh, getting out there, Trent McDuffie uh, getting out there, Brian cook, getting some time out there. And it it's a very young defense that has come together really quickly for, I wouldn't say it's the most difficult defense in the NFL to learn. I wouldn't know that, but for, the way people talk about it, not the easiest one to pick up reason that Spag says he likes veterans. I'm guessing, uh, it's because young guys make mistakes. Haven't seen a ton of that. You've seen mistakes. There's been a lot fewer rookie type mistakes with blown coverages and just things that they hadn't seen before at this level, a lot fewer of those than I had expected coming into the season, which I'll give credit to Dave Merritt, um, Steve Spagnuolo and the rest of the defensive coaching staff. But, uh, for you, having studied spags and knowing what he likes to do how impressed are you with the young guys being able to pick it up as soon as quickly as they have
2: it's very impressive because again this is this is not an easy defense now has spags done anything to pare it down and maybe calling a slightly slimmer variety of things compared to you know a couple years ago when he had all these guys that had been in the system for a couple years at that point everybody knew what they were doing Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's pared it down a little bit, but it hasn't really been noticeable to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And and you got a lot of young kids that are shouldering a lot of responsibility in terms of communication, pre-snap and reading things post-snap, because in the NFL, like – I'm sorry, with all these athletes that run four four and you're up tempo and you hear a one word call from your safety. So then you automatically have to know, Okay, against three by one, I'm doing this against two by two. I'm doing this, Um, you know, and, and being able to process in real time like that's that's not easy, especially if it's a language that you're not familiar with because you're like maybe it's a coverage you've done before in college, but it's called something different. And so you kind of have to go through your Rolodex in your brain mid play while understanding all your responsibilities and all the different checks against whatever formation you're seeing. And it's up tempo, and, oh my God, Mike Williams is right on top of me. What am I supposed to do? It's hard. It's really hard. And so I think just the fact that like they, they show up and they don't get egg on their face every week is, is a win in itself. But the fact that they're playing well on top of that, like Credit to Spags and also credit to the guys for for studying yeah. enough to, to be in this position because they're they're killing it. They really are.
1: Yeah. So you spread the love around. You give Brett Veach and his staff credit for bringing players in that can pick these types of things up and get the kind of guys that come in and hit the ground running, whether they're drafted again in the first round or the sixth round, like Jalen Watson, getting, out there, getting a lot of playing time, uh, along with uh, I think Trent McDuffie calls him the Fab Five the five defensive backs that were all drafted this past year, which is great. You said it during a presser, and I had not heard that before uh, as far as how those guys are described. So pretty special, and it's been so much about the young guys on the defense that lately we'll talk a little offense here before. We're going to preview the L.A. Rams. I'm going to get your thoughts on what's going on with the Rams this year. Obviously pretty banged up uh, at the current moment, but what's going on with them uh, so far this year. But on the offensive side of the ball, Isaiah Pacheco, what he's done is a seventh-round pick, and then Sky Moore, kind of breaking out a little bit, whether it was by necessity or whether he's developed. Um, that's only for the coaches to know. But the thing is, he's got an opportunity to get in there and play. And it was under two minutes. Sky Moore was on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that was the biggest thing for me is that they didn't go to packages that they felt comfortable with based on you know not feeling comfortable that he should be out on the field not trusting him to be in a big-time situation. And Not only that, uh, Nate Taylor was talking about this. Uh, this week is that he caught a huge pass and where he was like the third read where it's like Mahomes looks one way, then looks the other way, and then immediately fires over to the opposite side. And that's trusting Sky Moore is going to be exactly where he's supposed to be uh, to make that play. And he was. And those are the the little things that you can follow during the game to, to be impressed. But um, what did you from being there and obviously just studying Pacheco and Sky Moore specifically? How impressed are you by those young guys stepping up for the Chiefs offense?
2: You know, again, like you mentioned, the fact that Sky was even on the field in that situation was a, a, a good sign. Um, yeah. And I think it means the, the coaching staff is starting to believe a little bit more in him. I would hope that with Tony's injury, that doesn't mean he's automatically going to go back to being uh, a return man. I, I hope that's over. I don't think that yeah. he's, he's built for that. Um surely they can find somebody else to do it to
1: more or I mean, Pacheco. Cause both of them <laughs> had their yeah. fair share of mistakes. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. get
2: literally anybody like put Justin Reed back there. Whoever, like, I don't care. Like, uh, no. or read
1: MVS. Okay. Just fair catch it. <laughs> they used to do that with did that years ago. And I think it was when the, who was it? They I can't remember who it was, but they were struggling at punt return. And I think they just put Jeremy Macklin back there. It's like, just fair catch it. <laughs> No, just go back there. Fair catch the ball. Don't even try to return it. Just catch the freaking football.
2: God, Jeremy Macklin throwback.
1: That was a while ago.
2: Yeah. I remember the Dwayne Bro and Jeremy Macklin era. Good lord. Uh, I anyway. remember
1: the Chiefs going an entire season without a wide receiver catching a touchdown. And that wasn't that long ago. Then they wasn't signed that... Macklin the end of the next offseason. And like it was like week fifty. It's a small story here. I think it was Donnie Avery, where like they that was a stat. Everybody was talking about it. And there was like week. It was towards the end of the season he had like a breakaway on the outside and he stepped out of bounds like there's nobody around him like he's gonna score and he's just accidentally stepped out of bounds it's like are they trying to keep this record up are they trying to be the probably the first team in nfl history to not have a receiver catch a touchdown my, my favorite so one long from that
2: year I think it was Dwayne Bow and he caught it and he fumbled like six inches in front of the goal line. And then Travis Kelsey picked it up and scored. I, I if I recall correctly, I think that's that
1: sounds, it. sounds about right for, <laughs> that, just for that season. Yeah.
2: Um, but anyway, as, as for, as for sky and Pacheco, like again, very encouraging that sky was out there, obviously. Um, hopefully he keeps carving out a larger and larger role as for Pacheco. Yeah, they got something here. They really do. This is two or three weeks in a row where it's, we think it's working. We know it's working. And now it's, oh, he needs to get more than 15 touches. Because mm. I think, I mean, he led, at least going into Monday night, he led all running backs and rushing yards that week. Um, mm. And I think you look at his combination of, of physicality and tackle-breaking ability and uh, just raw burst. And I know the Chargers' run defense isn't that great. Like, they they hit a couple uh, counters with Pacheco where – like, Kenneth Murray, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Like, the edge went inside the wrong shoulder and got a two-for-one on the pullers, and Kenneth Murray was like, well, that's my signal to run into the pile, and it's like, <laughs> dude, your job is to go outside. The running back runs 4-3, and he's like, ah, no, I'm in here. And so, it, like, yeah, they, they gave Pacheco a couple pretty easy runs there. But overall, he was still really, really impressive. I think he's played, like, the best running back on the team pretty much the entire year, uh, and he deserves to be the starter at this point, which – He already is. And uh, I would like to see him like, let's see if we can get him more than 15 carries. Let's see if we can get him or even just like 20 touches total. Like if we're going to do the 15 carry thing, like let's also throw like five receptions in there. Cause I was on the sideline at the shrine bowl where he took a rail like 80 yards in practice. And when he hit that second gear, there was nobody was going to catch him. So I would like to see them kind of get him a little bit more involved in the pass game as well. Get him above twenty touches and see what he can do because he's he's pretty damn exciting.
1: I was just looking it up because I think I know I asked I know I asked Kendall Gammon uh, when we did the pregame show with one hundred and one the Fox uh, over under of twenty one and a half carries by Chiefs running backs in this game. I can't remember if it was you or Trevor that I asked the same question to, and I just looked it up because I hadn't yet. Uh, twenty three carries by Chiefs running backs in the game against the uh, Chargers on Sunday night, so we were right there. That was uh, more than more than normal and it wasn't like they had a bunch of you know rushes at the end that skewed those numbers so pretty impressive and uh we're gonna take a quick break but as soon as we come back we have some breaking news
0: uh from the rams uh we'll get to that right after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Welcome back to KCS and update with the czar of YouTube X's and O's NFL content. Brett Coen. Brett, I didn't even ask you. Do you like that nickname? I'm going to try to give you a different one every time I talk. The to
2: czar. You.
1: The czar <laughs> of X's and O's YouTube NFL content.
2: That's uh, a new one every week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I, I'm just I'm, I just I, I sit in a spare bedroom and I talk about football for a living. It's not a horrible life
1: it's not bad and you're very very good at it uh you get not everybody can do what you do um what movie
2: you'd be surprised jack
1: Jack black and tropic thunder you can't do what i do
2: (laughs) you'd be surprised i think a lot of people are actually a lot better at it than i am
1: ah well you you were first then (laughs) you were one of the first
2: better be lucky than good
1: Ah, no, man, you're good at it. Let's let's get to some breaking news here. Uh, you're going to tell me about this quarterback because I've never heard of this guy. Uh, Rams very banged up at quarterback. We're going to preview them a little bit as the Chiefs take them on third. Or Excuse me. I keep saying Thursday, Sunday afternoon uh, at 325 at Arrowhead. But the Rams signed quarterback Case Cookus to the practice squad. Matthew Stafford's status is in doubt. John Wolford, the backup, was inactive last week with a neck injury, and that's per NFL Network's Andrew Siciliano. Um, not asking for a full- on breakdown, Brett, but just very simply have you ever heard of Case Cookus?
2: Yeah he was uh, he okay. was in Minnesota I he think was. a couple years okay. ago and then he was with uh, what was the other the other league that he was in uh-huh. recently and then I think he got hurt. And so he must be healthy if they're signing him.
1: Uh God. There's was a follow-up tweet to this. So I've got you're you're on the right track. Uh, he did have a <laughs> cup of coffee with the Giants, Broncos, Vikings, and the Raiders. And he started seven games for a team in the league that you're trying to remember. It's not and that the was,
2: XFL. Nope. Is it? No. Nope uh the one that was last year that oh god there's been so many developmental leagues over the last five years which one i'll give you it? a
1: hint i'll give you a hint this will be fun uh the team the city in which the team plays in this league is also the same city that the nfc's top team resides
2: philly mm-hmm. oh god i i'm sorry, sorry it's the I philadelphia stars. Hours on i can't i can't it's re- the
1: usfl USFL, the US, there we USFL, go. USFL, the Philadelphia Stars. Uh, and this is also per Andrew Siciliano that uh, Case has went to Thousand Oaks High School, which is just walking distance, apparently from the Rams facility. Yeah, so it's right there. The more you know. Maybe they're yeah. trying to save on some travel arrangements for a guy they really hope doesn't play in this game. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the Rams. Uh, obviously, Matthew Stafford, uh, his status is in doubt per that same tweet. And he's been banged up. Uh, uh, Cooper Cup. Um, obviously banged up, not playing in this game. Just what's been going on with the Rams outside of injuries. Uh, what can you tell us that uh, will help us be a little bit more educated watching this game on Sunday?
2: Uh, offensive line, not great. Uh, secondary place coverages in ways that I have absolutely. I, I, I don't understand why they do some of the things they do. Like they, they'll, they'll line up like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and they'll play fire zone out of it. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Like we're, we're bringing five, but everybody's lined up two counties over. So they're just going to throw underneath and, and get five free yards out of it every single play. And it's like, okay, you're, you're stopping them from going over the top. I get that, but you're not really contesting any passes. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I struggle with trying to figure out exactly what their plan is. Cause even Jalen Ramsey, like, when they're like clearly in quarters against three by one, Jalen Ramsey's isolated on the backside. Like he's he not even impressed. And it's like Jalen Ramsey's great press corner. Why are we not letting him get up on the line of scrimmage and beat people up? And it's almost like, like their entire philosophy is we're just going to put an umbrella over the top and make you do 12, 13 play drives. And then offenses are very easily doing 12 and 13 <laughs> play drives. So it's, it's a very odd defense. It's a very odd team this year. Like the talent level, like the top end talent when everybody's healthy, like Stafford and cup and, you know, Van Jefferson, and Aaron Donald, obviously. And, and Jalen, like they, they have a lot of dudes, mm. but I think the depth has really been sliced and diced over the last couple of seasons. And they yep. made some gambles to, to go after a super bowl when the iron was hot and it worked and they got their ring, but that, that bills come due this year, they do not have the depth to survive their injuries um, they do not have enough talent to play defense the way that they used to be able to play defense before they had to let people go. Um, it's just been kind of a mess and they're, they're not a good team this year. And I'm sure a lot of Rams fans are like, we don't care. We got a ring. Very valid. Totally understand that you, you cashed in when you could and you got yourself a Lombardi, but they were not set up as a team for dynastic mm. success. Uh, they, they, they really sold out for 2021 and that was it.
1: So looking at it from the Chiefs perspective, when you're looking at what you saw uh, at SoFi when the Chiefs played uh, the other L.A. team uh, with the Chargers, what do you expect based on what you've seen, the kind of game kind of game plans for the Chiefs offense to attack uh, the way that the Rams have been playing defense so far this year and and knowing that, you know, now that we're a little bit in the season, it might be changing a little bit, but Chiefs seeing a lot more main coverage, seeing a lot of different things than they necessarily had seen when they played these teams in the past. Uh, obviously different personnel, Tyreek, talk about that again. Uh, but what would you expect and what kinds of things would you expect the Chiefs to try to do to combat the way that the Rams like to play defense?
2: 10 plus catches for Travis Kelsey. A lot of a lot of choice routes, stick routes, everything like that, because they're, they're going to give him wide open space. And at that <laughs> point, it's just about, you know, Travis and 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 Pat being on the same page, which they usually are. Um, I would imagine that if they do eventually get frustrated by that with all the yards after catch, you know, maybe we might see them come down and play a little bit tighter in man from time to time. And at that point, you know, you're, you're getting guys on the run with shallow cross. It'll be honestly very similar to what we saw against the Chargers, where, you know, once you kind of force them into man, then we're going to hit the shallow crosses. We're going to hit the deep comebacks, all the stuff we saw in the last drive. And so I think they're just going to choice route them to death with Kelsey and run the ball with Pacheco over and over and over again, force them into playing like one robber, one rat, all that kind of stuff. And then from there, it's it's just Pat Mahomes making crazy throws. Um, hmm. Actually, not even crazy throws, just Pat Mahomes making throws on time and on target to comeback <laughs> routes that are always going to be wide open anyway because the, the Rams DBs are going to be playing so far over the top that you can just snap it off and come back to the ball. So I would imagine 70-plus percent completion percentage for Pat, 300-plus yards passing, 10 for – let's go 10 catches, 110 yards for Travis, Hmm. two touchdowns for Pacheco. Hmm. And you know what? Let's say we get one big bomb to MVS when they finally get sick of it, and then they'll go back to playing soft after that.
1: I can't wait to cut cut this segment when that just nails. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Trevor nailed the score last week. I had Trevor Zickema from Pro Football Focus guessed the 30-27 to 27 win uh, for the Chiefs. I have some more breaking news, and it's uh, timely here uh, from Ian Rappaport. So we'll switch and talk about the Chiefs defense going up against this Rams offense. Now we might have some sort of a clue on what might the uh, Rams offense could look like per Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. The Rams are expected to give young quarterback Bryce Perkins – First team reps this week, paving the way for a potential start given injuries to starters, Matthew Stafford and John Wolford. This would be the first start from the former undrafted free agent from Virginia. I'm dropping this on you. Can you give us a full detailed scouting report on Bryce Perkins right now, Brett? do you know anything about Bryce Perkins?
2: Uh, Physically talented, very physically talented. They love him. They've had him in the building for uh, two or three years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a good arm, mobile from everything I've heard. Really good kid. Uh, they, they've kind of had him on the back burner, just slow simmering for, for a while now because they've always envisioned him, you know, potentially being, you know, being an option that if Matt got hurt because he's an older quarterback, they could throw yeah. in there. So this doesn't necessarily surprise me that much. As for what he brings to them on the field maybe this will help out the run game a little bit. If they want to get into some of the stuff that they couldn't do with other quarterbacks that are less mobile, you know, maybe want to throw in the zone read stuff, maybe a couple design quarterback runs. Not that he's like as dangerous of a runner of, of you know, Lamar or hurts or anything. I don't think he's. Could, this,
1: that. could it be similar to what we saw with the Titans and Malik Willis? Yeah, just because it was the same kind of it was a young quarterback hadn't played a whole lot. Just get him out running. I mean, could that be a blueprint for the types of easy? I mean, there wasn't a lot of stress put on Malik Willis in that game uh, for the most part Uh, until the second half when the Chiefs brought Willie Gay down. They put him on the edge. They did some different things, um, which I'm sure the Chiefs are talking about these kinds of things because you're going up an unscouted quarterback. You have no idea what they're going to do. But what you do know is that he hadn't made a start. They're going to try to make things easy on him. And if he is that mobile, maybe they follow that same kind of blueprint.
2: Yeah, I would say so. I, I will say Perkins is, is much further along as a passer than than Malik is. Um, you know, obviously, he's he's had a little bit more time uh, under McVeigh to to learn and grow and develop and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he will present a little bit more of a multi dimensional threat than than Malik did in his first start uh, against KC. Um, and he is something that I think Chiefs fans, I, I won't say should be worried about but should be cognizant of that he i don't know if he's going to be as much of a pushover as maybe a lot of people might think because they (laughs) love him absolutely love him for a reason he's very talented um and i think that you know if if he develops or is as developed as they seem to believe he is um you take that kind of physical talent sprinkle a little bit of you know miracle grow on it it could be a problem so i would not take this game lightly Again, the Rams are not a good team, but I mean, shit, the Casey lost to the Colts. I'll believe anything at this point.
1: Had to drop that in there. Had to put that out there in the world.
2: Got a little little bit of a reality. Got to keep it in check.
1: (laughs) We've got got a couple of pieces of information. Uh, Joe Tooney. Uh, dealing with an ankle injury. Kadarius Toney dealing with a hamstring. They will not practice for the Chiefs today. This is per uh, Chief Senior Reporter Matt McMullen. And then Lucas Niang has been activated to the 53-man roster and that Clyde Edwards-Elair, dealing with that high ankle sprain, will not practice – or, excuse me, will be placed on IR for the Chiefs.
2: So Clyde's not coming back till last week of the year, basically? Probably-ish?
1: At least four games. So – yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15, he'll have three weeks at the end of the season if they want to get him going, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, it's going to give everybody wanted to see Ronald Jones get a shot. It seems like it's going to be his opportunity unless they sign Derek Gore, which has been put out there. I don't know if that hasn't been reported yet, but uh, well, he put the eye, eyeball emojis out there. Oh.
2: What about Daryl Henderson?
1: Or Daryl Henderson, he doesn't know the off, like doesn't know the pass protections, those kinds of things. That's why I always go to like guys with familiar faces. I was gonna text my my guy Sherkandra and be like, "Have you been in shape? Are you running? <laughs> How are you feeling? You know the offense, you know the blitz pickups, you know what to do." Um, but yeah, Daryl Henderson, like, I've been a lot more. Maybe it's just me uh, going off here a little bit, but. There have been more like starters slash players that have contributed to teams that are getting cut midseason than I can remember. Guys like Daryl Henderson, Jonathan Abram getting released, and I love to play against him. I, that was a, a net negative when the Raiders let him go. I loved when he was in uh with the Raiders, but it just seems like there's been a lot more players. I can't think of the other guys off the top of my head, but Eno seems a little Benjamin. different this year. Yeah, he's another one. You know? The Chiefs put a claim in on him. So uh, and then Andy Reid when he was asked about during his presser said he didn't know anything about it. <laughs> it just it's just beach
2: doing Veach stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The GM is not talking to the coach about a player that he is going to sign onto his roster. I uh, don't know if I a hundred percent believe that one, but uh, but yeah, it we'll see what happens with uh, with Ronald Jones. I know there's a lot of people around Kansas city uh, and the cover the team and just fans and people on social media have wanted to see him get a shot. Uh, he may get a shot. He'll spell Isaiah Pacheco, but Jarek McKinnon is the third-down guy, and Pacheco is the starter going forward. So, you know, you're going to get a motivated Ronald Jones, though, if he does get out there and get an opportunity because uh, he's been itching based on the things that he's put out on social media. Uh, he's been itching to get his opportunity.
2: And if he doesn't work out, Melvin Gordon's a free agent, and and we could just keep, yeah, the, keep the AFC West train going for Melvin Gordon. He'll play for everybody at some point. The,
1: Melvin Gordon, he's fumbled the ball five times, like. <laughs> Not yeah. going to get an opportunity to Andy Reid. You fumble the football consistently. Although Every time Pacheco you fumble. <laughs> Pacheco fumbled it, what two weeks ago, and then Jerick McKinnon fumbled it. I'll say that's the one thing one player that's more happy than anybody else that was in SoFi Stadium after Mahomes went down. And won was Jerick McKinnon because nobody's talking about uh-huh. that fumble. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a much bigger storyline yeah. had uh-huh. they not pulled out that victory. All right, let's get your prediction, Brett, as the Chiefs and the Rams square off. Thursday keep saying Thursday. I think it's because I'm thinking about Thanksgiving and I'm so excited. Thanksgiving by far my favorite holiday. Not even close. We'll get to that in a sec. Uh, but what's your prediction for Sunday afternoon between the Chiefs and the Rams?
2: 14 and a half is rich. Uh pretty rich. I, I would say Chiefs by 10 and that still that seems fair it's a two possession win like 14 and a half like we're expecting them to win by more than two touchdowns i'm not saying it's not possible cuz the rams aren't very good but i don't know there's something about like wild card young plucky talented quarterbacks that you've never really seen before and you don't really know how to prepare for them and their tendencies and stuff like that i don't know something about that just screams tougher game than it should be on paper <laughs> he says facetiously because I'm still predicting a 10 point win. So let's <laughs> say Chiefs by 10. I'll go okay. Chiefs 27, Rams 17.
1: Okay. Okay, that uh, puts it right at 44, which I believe is the over-under. So you're oh, well, right there, you <laughs> right there uh, with what they're predicting. And a couple more injury updates. Uh, Juan Thornhill, looks like he's going to be limited in practice, but great to see him uh, get any work. I'm always uh, triggered whenever a Chiefs player is injured and they put calf as the injury and then immediately rule them out because that is the same thing that they do uh, with an Achilles injury. That is how they announce that during games it's like calf and then immediately like out it's like oh god like do not do that and then come to find direct, out though <laughs> yes no they're not gonna put achilles out like they're not gonna do that during the game uh they gotta make some calls to agents first and not give them too much leverage <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh finding out from nate taylor um who we talked to on tuesday said that the chiefs had decided that if there were any players dealing with any kind of soft tissue issues playing on the surface at SoFi. They weren't going to push him through it. And so Kadarius Tony hamstring tweaks up a little bit, done. Juan Thornhill, calf a little bit, done. Uh, a couple other pieces of information regarding Chiefs injuries that Juju Smith-Schuster will practice uh, for the Chiefs today, getting through his concussion protocol. So great to see. So Juan Thornhill, Juju getting out there in some capacity. And then Lucas Niang. Uh, getting back into the mix. Maybe he you know, works his way into a swing tackle position uh, there as a, as a young player they were high on and then has had kind of a rocky start uh, to his career, opting out the first year because of COVID, and then had the, the knee injury that kept him out uh, for about a year as well. So interested to see what they can eventually get from him. But uh, Brett, man, before we let you go, give everybody an opportunity since a lot of people will be listening to this either on Wednesday when we're recording or on Thursday during Thanksgiving. Uh, man, what are you thankful for in regards uh, to the NFL and the football season this season across the entire NFL? It doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. We get it. Everybody's thankful for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but what are you thankful for this NFL season?
2: I'm thankful for the AFC. Uh, hmm. Cause I think that, you know, for a long time, you know, for people that followed the AFC for a long time, like myself, you know, grew up a Texans fan, you've been Chiefs fans for as long as ever. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was Brady and Manning and Roethlisberger and Rivers and, and you know, all these AFC quarterbacks, and they'd go at it every single year. And we know who we're going to get in the end. And after a while, it's like, okay, all these guys are getting a little old. Uh, hopefully we can get a new generation in here pretty quick. And I, I think the AFC is not disappointed because we got Mahomes, we got Allen, we got Lamar, we got Burrow, we got Herbert. Um, you know, hopefully Trevor Lawrence can, can turn into what we hope he can be. Um, you know, he, dare I say, Kenny Pickett's look pretty darn good. I think that the new generation of young kids in the AFC, even if we, I don't know if we can call Pat young anymore, but still, he's under 30, let's call him young. Um, <laughs> I'm thankful for that because I I see the next 10 years of this conference, every single Thanksgiving, every single Christmas, every single New Year's, every single January, every single February. We have a lot of great, historically significant football coming up. And I Mm -hmm. could not be more excited for this era. I think the NFL is in a great spot. I think the AFC is in a great spot. And uh, you know things keep going the way they're going. I think you guys are going to have some really fun uh, conference championships in Arrowhead over the next decade.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. You know what I'm thankful for? This stat that I that I saw on social media. And now I had to get updated. I saw it last week. The Denver Broncos. They'd be seven and three if they scored at least 18 points in all their games. <laughs> That's that was, I mean that is amazing when you trade for a quarterback <laughs> and you give up. Like seven draft picks, three in the top two rounds, I think, and give up like two hundred million dollars. And if you would just score eighteen points a game, you'd be second. You'd be in. You'd be in the playoffs. You'd be staring down a chance at the playoffs. It'd be seven and three right now, and that's only because a couple of games gave up thirty. To, they they would have lost to the the Raiders twice. They gave up thirty two and twenty two in those two games, and then they lost to the Chargers nineteen sixteen. The rest of the games they would have won. Uh, because their defense pretty good and then they traded bradley chubb before the chiefs ever played him.
2: and they still they still got two games against kc to,
1: mm-hmm. to go right yep oh, december 11th worse. in worse prime time <laughs> and then new year's day uh they play a nooner which everybody's going to be really excited to get up and watch that one i will i'd love they, they got
2: a christmas day game against the rams can you imagine anything more miserable no oh. like oh. that game is going to be horrific
1: You know what else is thankful for Patrick Mahomes is the the handful of primetime games he's played in. He's basically saved primetime so far (laughs) this season. (laughs) The brutal games that they've had. Uh, across the league, man, but uh, Brett, hope you and yours have a fantastic Thanksgiving. We appreciate everybody that's been listening, spending part of your day with us again, whether it's Wednesday or Thursday, maybe later in the week on Friday when you're playing catch-up. Enjoy the time uh, with your family or whoever, your loved ones, whoever you're spending time with uh, this Thanksgiving. We appreciate your support of what we got going on here at KC Sports Network, and we'll have more content throughout the week uh, getting ready for Chiefs-Rams and uh, not necessarily a Chiefs-Rams preview, but had a really fun, good conversation. It was about 35 minutes with former Chiefs fullback anthony sherman is also a championship flag football uh head coach uh is actually my son's coach we talk a little bit about that on the uh the bonus episode of outside the trenches this week so if you're still listening and you're looking for something else to listen to pretty fun conversation with anthony sherman shared a pretty cool story about uh when he knew that it was a pretty special dynamic between patrick mahomes and travis kelsey something i hadn't heard before uh it's pretty special there but again everybody hope y'all have a great thanksgiving and we'll see y'all later